Hello, and welcome to Wildly Querious, where I'm Brittany. And I am Corinne. Hey, so like any uh, good podcast, we like to start with a story. And there's one story in particular that's going to be kind of relevant to what we're talking about today. And that is the story of the airplane. It's it's my, like, gay faux pas. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> well, I think, first, it's very important to understand I don't do small talk. You are I, not a small talker. No, 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 no. I don't talk to strangers. That's true. So, yeah. Like, it's that's just... That's important to know for the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is I, I deeply do not want to talk to anybody. And when I do, I'm not very good at it. Okay. So I get on a plane and it's not a full flight. I'm like, okay, not a full flight. Cool. And I fly Southwest. So you get to pick your own seat. And so I find a window seat next to an older guy who's sitting on the aisle. Um, and I sit down and they say, oh, you know, not a full flight. Like as people are coming on and we both look at each other and we're like, okay, cool, cool. And then he says some things to me. And again, small talk. I don't even remember what he says. Well, you, we got to explain that that's code on Southwest. When it's not a full flight, the person in the aisle and the person in the window are obligated to be talking to each other because that prevents someone from sitting down in the middle between them. That's not what we were doing though. I don't think. Uh, we I, were, I, he we knew were, the code. I feel like he knew the code. We were agreeing that no one was going to sit in that middle seat. And then he like pulls up his backpack and just puts his backpack there. And I was like, ooh, better you than me. Like, cool. This is. He clearly knows the code. And I was like, yeah, we'll just, you know, just say that you're saving a seat for your wife if anybody asks. And I think he did not have a wife. You you said to him, hey, if anybody asks, we'll say we're saving this seat for your wife. Just like casually, because I feel like we can't just put the backpack there. We have to have a story. Now, did you know this person was was married? No, I don't know. But he's here's the thing. He's an older gentleman. Okay. So the likelihood of him having a wife is already like higher. Than a 10-year-old, yes. Whatever. And then like, I don't know. I just, after the flight, I saw what he was wearing. And I was like, oh, he probably doesn't have a wife. And then I like kept seeing him as I was like going to baggage claim and we kept running into each other and it was very awkward. So you're suggesting that maybe he wasn't a straight, a straight man. Yes. But that's just what came out of my mouth because it's like, I feel like if I were to be like, oh, we're saving a seat for your husband, like the possibility of him being, he would have been more offended if he was straight and I said he was saving it for his husband than if he was gay and I said he was saving it for his wife. Well, that's certainly true. I think that's definitely a thing someone would be more offended at. And he was older. He had white hair. Silver Fox come to mind? No, but I feel like with younger people, you know, like you can play around more. But maybe that's just like I'm stuck in, you know, what I thought about older gay people when I was like 12. But either way, I feel like it's I didn't you know, you don't want to offend anybody. And so the norm is. Just what you go with. So how quickly after you said this to him, did you start thinking, oh, oh, I immediately regretted it because I was like, what if he doesn't have a wife? And I was like, and this is why I don't make small talk. What if his wife was dead? I know that's even worse. So you immediately start regretting what you said. Why? Because. I don't know why. You didn't instantly think. What if he was gay? Oh, yeah. I thought that was already established. Well, then how long did you ruminate on that exactly when you were on the flight? <laughs> Not the whole flight. Because I got into like, 
got deep into TikTok on that flight, but <laughs> I just, I felt very bad. And I don't even want to talk about the story because I still feel very guilty and very ashamed of my comment. But at the same time, I think it's, um, I think it goes to, to show just how heteronormative the world is and how heteronormative our, our upbringing is. That even as queer people, every now and then we still make an assumption that someone might be straight or the default to cause less offense if someone is straight. And that goes along with <clears throat> that goes along with something that happened to me the other day. Um, there was a shooting in Michigan, and I was watching the news one morning, and the attorney general from Michigan is a woman, and she was talking on the news about the shooting and things like this, and the, the reporter asked her, and she said, well, don't you have a, a daughter that goes to Michigan or something like that? And the woman attorney general replied, oh yeah, me and my wife just dropped her off um, not long ago after Christmas break to go back to school. And for some reason, her saying that caught me off guard. And I'm not sure exactly why. I think people are certainly... Um, people are becoming more and more forthcoming about their relationships. I think maybe just because the political discourse has been so anti-queer that hearing someone on a major news channel just talking about their relationship in a, ter in a perfectly normal way was kind of refreshing. And so maybe that's what caught me off guard a little bit was so here was this refreshing bit of, bit of representation in the media. Well, you probably also didn't expect her to have a wife. I didn't not expect her to have a wife, but I think it no, was... No, but just... internally, you probably didn't expect her to have a wife. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So that kind of brings us to our topic um, today of, of kind of labels and, and how they're used or what they're used for, how they're beneficial, how they're harmful... And you were you were uh, thinking the other day about a topic about um, what was it? Women and being pregnant or something like that? No, like there's a whole plethora of people, women, who are upset because they don't identify as cisgender women. They're just women. And they feel like their experiences of womanhood are being erased when instead of saying breastfeeding or having a period or getting pregnant, we use like gender neutral language instead. So like chest feeding, which is that's just that one's left field, um, you know, being someone who bleeds or someone who menstruates versus, you know, the uterus bearing individual yes, or pregnant person instead of, you know, pregnant woman or mom, you know, to refer to like themselves as a, a parent or a carrying pregnancy person. So they're very upset by so, this. So, so cisgender women who don't, who would yell at you for saying cis because there's no such thing. Um, they're upset that their experience is being denied because other people are using gender neutral pronouns or terms. They feel like it's being forced on them as they have to take this on in order to be a good ally. Mm -hmm. So in order to be a good ally, 
And it, the conversation only, ironically, seems to be between trans women and cis women. Hmm. And the conversation also, ironically, only seems to be coming from white trans women. Okay. There's lots of other people on the the cis woman side who were of different, you know, races and who are weighing in and giving their opinion, but seems to primarily be white trans women versus what, what I hear on the internet is like a natural woman. Oh, so there is a qualifier <laughs> that they're using for themselves. It's just not cisgender because okay. they're like, no, I'm a woman. And the way they clarify their womanhood is by saying that they are a natural woman. And when I've heard that term, you make me feel no, <laughs> no, no. But when I've heard people saying this, these are people who are very angry, very frustrated. And that feels like, uh, I'm a natural woman and there's the other option would be unnatural. So I like, I get where they're coming from and wanting to say like, I'm just a woman. Right. But then, you know, still trying to say like, well, but I'm different from this other person who is saying she's a woman who is a trans woman. You know, and I think there's just so much discourse right now on the internet about, you know, how women can identify themselves and like even what spaces you can take up as a woman, because there's a lot of like talk about, well, a trans woman doesn't need to be buying tampons right? or like talking about having a period mm -hmm. or talking about getting PMS. And so you have, you know natural women i'd rather say what people prefer to be called <laughs> like, air, quote, air quotes aren't doing the job i know but we like, understand that trans women are women we understand we understand all, all all of this but what we're saying it's almost like turf it's like which is a terf which is trans exclusionary it radical feels feminists. like like anti-turf though like because i feel like some of the things they're saying are not wrong or bad and they're not saying hey we don't want you to be a part of this community but what they're saying which is so interesting is don't use our terms no you're invalidating my experience by making me have to conform to your terms what's ah. comfortable for you is not what's comfortable for me or you saying that you experience these things that you don't experience is hurting me because i experience these things and these things are very important and impactful to my life so let me see if i get this straight so white trans women are telling um and not all of them no thank you this is a very much so not all apparently this is just one random social media widget post that there's a rabbit hole um, but it's it's so, this is so many people. It's so so it is pervasive. This, yes. Okay. So what I'm understanding is that primarily white trans women are telling I'm just going to say cisgender women, so women who's uh, who um genetically matches up with their identity um that they're not allowed to use terms like breastfeeding? Yes, because it's not inclusive. Wow. Even though the trans women aren't the ones who would be breastfeeding, wow. it would be like the trans men who are not at all really involved in this conversation. But a couple of them have been to the defense of the cis women. Yeah. So that's interesting because now you're trying to force your terms onto someone else in terms like breastfeeding. And the whole point is that we don't get to create labels for other people. People get to self-identify. People get to use the terms that they feel best describe them. 
So if we're saying you can't use those terms, well, that's kind of part of, part of the problem. Well, and I think it's it's messy. But also, side note, one, trans women can breastfeed. That's a that's a thing. And two, um, the between trans women and trans men, the in the conversations around breastfeeding that I'm seeing, it's to be inclusive of trans men who would be pregnant. Okay, and then later breastfeed. Okay, so, so they, it's, they there's a very like niche kind of way that some of these conversations have started. Also, men can develop breast cancer. Yes, like, men like, have breasts. Like that's not that's that's an accurate depiction of what breastfeeding is. Which is why calling it something else feels very left field compared to maybe other things. Yeah, but it's still like there's well, still issue with it. Ultimately, it comes back down to, do we not get to use the terms we want to describe ourselves? And if someone else is using a different term for themselves, why are we so uncomfortable that we feel the need to have to correct them? And this is what I wonder is, you know, we talk about like using gendered language and how do we get rid of gendered language? Right. right? And you know, to say like, oh, hey, in school, you shouldn't say boys and girls. Or if you're making a speech, maybe don't address the audience as like ladies and gentlemen. Right. So I think the topic of that gendered language has bled out like someone stabbed it and it's actively bleeding out into like these other spheres where we want to be inclusive of everybody, but maybe we don't need to be or at least like in social settings we don't need to be like if i were a doctor who was you know an obgyn and if i was giving a presentation yeah i would want to make sure that people at that presentation knew that trans men could get pregnant and that they could be people who like come see you for prenatal care and things like that so my language choice would probably not just be mothers and right. women right it makes sense in that very specific kind of like niche way right and then obviously as individuals we want to be able to say oh well you know i'm a woman this is my experience of like motherhood and pregnancy and own that for yourself right but then i think there's that gray area a very large gray area where if we're talking about larger groups of people and we want to be inclusive how do we do that without you know, othering or marginalizing or harming somebody in one of these two camps. Let's let's look at some practical examples of that. I just gave you a great practical example. So for but anyone else, the gray area. So for anyone else who had a hard time following that practical example, um, you look how I'm marginalizing you right now. Whatever. <laughs> um, if I'm understanding correctly. And I want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. Ultimately, it comes back down to people having their experiences invalidated by somebody else. Not necessarily having their experience, but trying to take away things from them. Changing the language, which then takes away the experience. And it is invalidating. So it's invalidating to some women to be called cisgender women because they don't identify as cisgender women, they identify as women. It is invalidating to have periods be talked about in a way in which you're just a bleeder, mm-hmm. because having a even weirder name for that 
seems to be more gender neutral and inclusive. Yeah. And so that takes away some of their experience, some of their feelings of womanhood or femininity, you know, things that we've been enculturated in. I think, I think where there's, there's the line though that's crossed is what makes people so, un- ah, okay. Teasing it apart a little bit. It, I feel like this is very challenging to like tease through. There's a lot there. Well, I, the line crossed is when we are telling someone else that their experience is invalid. Which no one is outright doing. Okay. Although there are... But it sounds like you say there are. There are some trans women telling... It's the feeling. Cis women that you shouldn't use terms like mom or pregnant or whatever. Yes, but it's not invalidating. It's not saying you're not a mom. You're not a woman. They're saying, you know, you're a cis woman. You're a person who can get pregnant. And so they're not denying any of the things that their bodies can do. And they're not saying you don't have that experience. That experience isn't like the rest of us or that experience isn't the same. But it's is, what they call the experience. But isn't isn't someone calling the experience what they want to call it part of their experience? Maybe. I, how many people, and I grew, I grew up in a uh, very heteronormative, cisnormative um, culture. And whether through indoctrination or legitimate desire, I know many, many people who couldn't wait to be moms. They couldn't wait to be pregnant. They couldn't wait to be wives. They couldn't wait to X, Y, Z. And so for them, not only the experience of getting pregnant, but being able to say, I'm a pregnant woman. Not only the experience of getting married, but being able to say I'm somebody's wife is immensely valuable to them. And I wouldn't want to take that away from them. Even if I thought marriage was a joke, even if I thought marriage was just a farce, I wouldn't dare tell someone who is married, hey, you're not allowed to be called this term that you've wanted to be called your entire life. That, I mean, that just seems contrary but it also it's i think it's part of the experience being able to create the label is part of the experience and what does it say about people who are so uncomfortable with someone else using a different term that they have to convince the other person their term is wrong well and it's it's interesting because i think that if you look at the it's not a hierarchy but maybe it's like a tree of marginalized groups okay you have Men at the top. Okay. Right. What we call cisgender, but they would probably balk at being called cisgender. They're not even in the conversation. They're like out doing whatever the fuck that men do. Okay. So patriarchy. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, women who are not as privileged as men, but are so differently not privileged than other groups of people. In the way that they do or don't experience discrimination and how, you know, being a woman, your experience as a woman is the same as other women, but also so different from many other different kinds of women. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot where I was going with that. Well, and there are various intersectionalities that are involved in that. And you're talking about the hierarchy. So, but I think it's just, it's interesting because... Women as a a marginalized group feels so much more broad in what the experience could be versus maybe people of color or LGBT or, you know, other 
religions. Like mm-hmm. it's they're like a wild card okay. in terms of, you know, what they experience as far as like discrimination and and things like that. So I don't know. It's it's interesting that this is the, this is the fight is like a fight of, you know, essentially women against women. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Well, and what it ultimately comes down to is a sense of um, it's almost like reverse discrimination. It's almost like um, for so long, people in the queer community weren't allowed to use the labels they wanted for themselves. And so now they're trying to tell the cis community, hey, you're not allowed to use the labels you want for yourselves. It's completely counterproductive. It's And I don't know how any of this started. And I know that there are a couple of like very influential people who have done some things that women are finding very offensive. Like what? Like there was one creator who went to the store, identifies as a trans woman, went to the store, bought tampons and was like, opened it up and was like, where does this even go? And just is like very kind of disrespectful to like what a tampon is. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one who at first it was like great idea where she was like, I'm going to like buy tampons to have for people. Like when I go to the women's bathroom, because one time I went to the women's bathroom tra- as a trans woman, you know, someone in the stall asked for a tampon. I was mortified. I didn't have anything. And so I was like, I'm going to keep it in my pocket yeah. or my purse. Very common. Cool. But then goes out and makes a video where she's giving out tampons to people. And it's just like, at what point are you being a woman versus making a mockery or trying to benefit off of womanhood? Yeah, that that feels, and, and I think as long as we're talking in the social me- media sphere, we have to understand these are people who are out for views and clicks and likes and... Who still have their own experiences and their own identity. Sure. But it's it's just, I think... See, that kind of pisses me off, though, a little bit. Hearing someone say... Hearing a trans woman buying a tampon and being like, oh, where does this go? And feeling, you know, this mortification or offense or something like that. And it's like, I can think of a dozen different conditions for for genetic female um, genotypes that don't require tampons ever. Well, but here's and, the thing. Are they, tampons, less, are they less women because they don't have periods? But tampons are also great for nosebleeds. They're fantastic for nosebleeds. So it's it's just, it's, and I think it's been just a, a couple of people who really started the anger and the frustration about, like, making fun of womanhood and saying, like, hey, you know, this is what you need to be doing. And even, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just, it's so deep. And there's been so many people who are saying, like, hey, I'm really offended by this. And how dare you expect me to include you in womanhood when you're not giving me the same and when you're not yeah, being you're respectful a, about what womanhood is and, right. you know, to to do all of that. And then with the different conversations about language and like what we can and can't call women who are experiencing different, you know, typically what we would assume to be feminine things, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. It's just there's just so much. What I think it's 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 so counterproductive to it is it's, it is. And I don't I wouldn't dare tell someone else their experience is invalid. And I wouldn't want to take that away, that, that away from them, even if it's fundamentally in contrast to my own. But what does it say about me? And I think this goes back to what we were talking about on our first episode of, 
Some people can't be content with other people having a different experience than them. And this is really the issue we're seeing now in in politics and churches and Christian nationalism is these people are so offended that someone else understands gender differently than they do. But are you saying this about the cis women or about the trans women? Because I feel like that could go either way. How? It would be unfair for... I'm saying this about every human in, in, the, in the world. Right. But like, are you applying this? Like, who is wrong in this conversation? This like battle between women. I think anytime we're doing something to mock someone else's um, biological gen- genotype, sex, or identity, we're in the wrong. Anytime we're, we're trying to take away someone else's experience of gender, be it manhood, womanhood, cis womanhood, trans womanhood, whatever those identi- identities are, you know, trans men, trans manhood, like anytime we are attempting to make a mockery of someone else's experience, I think we are in the wrong because everyone is entitled to their own experience of gender, whatever that is. And like I'm saying is in so many ways, I think the queer population can get embroiled in this battle that's counterproductive. Some of them. So yeah, exactly. And again, we have to remember that we're not talking about all women and all trans women. Right. Like, it's very small population compared to, like, everybody. Right. And there, there's, there's, a, there's an inherent bias, bias in here where we look at this kind of stuff that we, we, it seems more severe than it is because based upon where we're seeing it or how it fulfills our own kind of, like, biases and things like that, um, different correlations we make. We may think something is a really big deal and it's, it's not. Maybe it's very isolated. Maybe it's very pocketed to some sort of whoever, social media channel or, so, or or something like that. Right. And this conversation is only happening on one social media platform. It is. Yes. Although, like, here's the thing. Who uses Facebook anymore for anything other than, like... I'm not even on Facebook anymore. See, yeah, and I use it to just see what people are doing. And, like, Instagram is not a platform where you talk to people. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like social media platforms have really changed in their functionality and like how much use people get out of them i I love i love to see that some of them are fizzling (laughs) i think um and i don't know that's that's my own bias maybe they aren't maybe they're being used now more than ever but still i think it goes back to um no matter our, our our gender orientation or identification we don't get to take away someone else's experience and we don't get to label them I think that's one of the big things we see a lot is I've seen people in in different religious communities decide people are transgender and tell them they're transgender, even though it's not how they identify. And it's like, well, you don't get to do that. You don't actually get to decide someone else's identity. But what about, what about, and this is the thing that I find the most interesting of like this whole entire conversation is the label of cisgender. What about it? Which it's like, it's a word that is very much so used in like the scientific community, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not an insult. It's not a bad word. Go back and watch the South Park episode on sissies and it's the cis bathroom. Um, 
I've never seen South Park. It's, it, South the, Park is not age appropriate for me. I'm sorry. Every now and then they nail it. Um, they talk about cisgender restrooms and that's where the sissies go. But they're not, that's not what's connected to this conversation. I, I digress. So we talk about cisgender, but right? Which is not an inherently offensive term unless you think there is only two genders. And it's essentially the, it's used as to be not trans. Right. Right. And so is it wrong then to, you know, look at a woman and say, oh, yeah, that's a cisgender woman, even though that woman just identifies as woman, woman yeah, because she's never needed any sort of qualifier to her womanhood. Whereas a trans woman, there is that qualifier, you know, because it's I mean, that would mark her whole experience right mm-hmm. um doesn't necessarily need to be in you know we fight to just no woman's a woman man's a man like you identify yeah. how you identify but then should we not be using cis women because there are women who don't want to be called cisgender and in what context do we get to use that in what context do we not get to right the only context i can view that as problematic is if i were like hey you're a cis woman you don't get to whatever, or you're a cis woman, you wouldn't understand what this experience is. But even then, like, why would you say that to someone? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, at least on social media, any conversation about gender that someone is having on their social media platform could open them up to, hey, this is, you know, where you are coming from. You are a cisgender person, so your experiences based off of this. Like I can see how the the door would be open for people to then like comment back and say like, Oh yeah, well you as a cis woman, blah, 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 blah. Well, and I think this is the part that's going to get scary because over the next couple of years, one, the problem is it's such a, it's such a, what's the word for it? It's such a controversial topic. Um, that it's getting hits, that it's getting traffic. And this is the thing we have to keep in mind. Anytime put, someone puts social media online where they're talking about gender whatever, they are opening themselves up not only to debate, but they're opening themselves up to more followers, more influence, more whatever. And we're going to see that a lot over the next two years because this is apparently what the next election is about in 2024 is gender and how it's evil to be anything other than these two genders that were invented by whoever like it's so that's going to be a really big problem over the next couple of years where we're going to see more and more of these debates and they're just going to get silly they're going to get silly because they're trying to come from a position of standpoint of hey your experience is or isn't valid and the truth is no one gets to say if your experience is or isn't valid and so whoever's the one throwing that stone at someone else it's just, it's just it, it makes everyone look bad and it's a waste of time. Well, at this point, I feel like it's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, because then, I don't know, anytime you have someone saying like, hey, you can't do this or you can't use this language, well, they're going to come back with, well, hey, you know, you, you don't, don't bleed get to, every month, yeah. so you don't get to have a say. And, right. you know, I don't know how, I, there must be a population of trans women who see what some of the, cis women are putting out there and just feel so invalidated about how they do not meet what is so inherently considered womanhood you know and like not that they're saying anything not that that's the point of any of this but i feel like it's 
we have definitely in this larger conversation defined womanhood as the thing that your body can do. Yeah. Which is crazy because like we're not talking about people who have erections. Right. Right. Or people who have balls. Like the, the, I guess because like those are not as functional as things that a uterus can do. Like uteruses do a lot of things. Um, I don't know, but it's just, it's so interesting that like we have in this conversation essentially boiled down womanhood to these experiences that are so very biologically based. Yeah. And I, I, this gets into that, the weird thing and maybe, maybe a tangent somewhat, but I'll tell this to people and they'll, they'll, uh, there's a lot of talk on social media or even, even recently in the news where people who aren't on the right wing don't, can't define woman, right? That's, that's the big, oh, they can't even define woman. And to be fair, I wonder what their definition of women is. Who's the right wings? What definition of woman? Because they'll come back to, oh, you, you know, you, you, you can be a mom. You can, you can, uh, you know, you can bear children. What if you can't? Does that make you not a woman? Well, no, no, no. You're just a woman who can't, who, who can't do this. Okay. So how is that different from a trans woman? How is that different from, I don't, their Which own definition is, falls apart so fast. But I think that's even part of like why some of these women are saying, well, don't call me a cis woman because I'm a woman. And people who can't get pregnant, like women who can't get pregnant are still women. And so I don't, it's just, it's, I feel like you go back and forth on the language of like using this one qualifier or not to define this specific type of woman. Well, and I think all the arguments are, are, are in vain because there are so many exceptions to anything. So I remember a year ago, I was talking at a medical school and I asked these people to define what a man is or what a, what a, what a woman was. And they came back. Well, if you have an XY chromosome set, you're a man and an XX chromosome set, you're a woman. And I said, well, this was med students. These these are medical students. These are, these are supposedly very well-educated, you know, well-educated future of medicine people, which their response makes sense because it's not necessarily about genitalia or appearance. Right. But then it ignores the fact that says, okay, well, what if someone only has one X chromosome? What if someone has two Y chromosomes? What if someone has two X's and a Y? Well, those are exceptions. Well, the, the minute there's an exception, it's no longer a rule. It's no longer a black and white situation. The second there is one exception, and this is what people I think were intersex, I think is so absolutely fascinating in this dialogue of there are only men and women. Okay. What about intersex people? That right there destroys the notion that people either are men or women. But they're able to place it inside this little bubble. Oh, this is just this, you know, oddity. This is exception. Here's the the outcast. Here's the, you know, we don't even pay attention to that because their understanding is so fragile that the second you say here's an exception, they can't fathom it. So they have to isolate it and they have to compartmentalize it and stick it somewhere else. And I think that's kind of the dangerous, dangerous part of labels um, is how, how, how much we hold on to them and how meaningful they are to us to the point where other people using them offends us. So 
on that note, though, talking about labels, another curious thought. And I saw this a lot in the trans community in the past when it was a little harder to be out and be trans. There's a lot of trans women I know who identify as trans women because they don't think they'll ever actually be seen as women. They, um, for, for whatever reason, they hold on to stare it to, and, and not to invalidate that experience for them, but they do. They hold on to some past stereotypes of what a woman is, what they learned growing up. And does that also involve having a uterus? Yeah, for some. Because I know there was one woman who I know who was so hung up on the differences between her and cis, a cisgender woman that it was just like this thing that was always gnawing at her. And I can't say like if she should have been or not, like that's not my place to say. Right. But it was just that I think we've curated womanhood very much so. And in a way that is different from manhood because men don't have experiences that create their identity. Women have experiences that create their identity. Having your first period is like the start of womanhood you know, becoming a wife, especially if you're in like religious circles, like becoming a wife is like a huge, big thing. Having children, like huge, big thing. Having grandchildren, all of these are markers of womanhood. And so as a culture, we have decided like, you know, I mean, I guess to go back to like, well, what is a woman? It's so much of what we talk about for womanhood as a society is these, you know, things that the body can do or these labels that you take on. And so to have someone who is looking at that experience of womanhood and says, my experience of womanhood is never going to be that experience of womanhood. Yeah. You know, it was just something that it just seemed like it was so hard for her to live with. And it certainly can be. And, and, and that doesn't take away, I think from her experience. Um, It's just something to be mindful of and why it's so important for us um, to listen to what other people use as their labels and what's valuable to them. And if it's valuable to, for uh, cisgender women not to be called cisgender and just be called woman, in that situation of being on one-on-one, I'll respect that. I won't say you're a cisgender woman. I'll just say you're like, not even sure why that comes up in dialogue. But if our, the amount of value we put on labels is, is important, both for the good and bad, um, both for our own self-identification, but also... To the point of, if we value it enough that we try to enforce it on others, that's where I think we've crossed the line. Because I don't think we can, we I don't think we can assign labels to other people, no matter who they are, or no matter where they are on the spectrum of, you know, religious religiosity or politics or regionality. Even it's important to listen. It's important to ask. And it's important to respect other people's labels for themselves. And I think it's a trap. If we get into the trap of telling cisgender people that their experience is invalid, uh, I think we're just just as guilty as they are at margin- marginalizing people. If we want people to celebrate our label- labels, let's celebrate theirs. I mean, I know I have friends that when they got married, I couldn't wait to go to their very heteronormative wedding and their very cisgender wedding because they were happy and I was happy for them. And that doesn't take away my experience of being different than that. And with that said, we are wrapping up 
fun time. Anything, anything else you want to add to this hot debate? No, I feel like we could go round and round and round. We could. Other than other than to say, you know, my takeaway message is definitely um, labels are important. It's important that you get to decide who you are. It's important that other people respect that. And that's if you're a cis, straight, queer, um, trans, any identification, if it's important to you, it's important, it's respected. And the same thing goes for other people. And just because someone else has a very different identification than you doesn't mean they're any less right or wrong in the identification. And it's important to respect that on both sides. Closing thoughts there, uh, Brittany? Nope. And with that, we are ending. And uh, we'll catch you all in two weeks.